My mindset was always, because I wanted that speed, how can I improve the testability of my application? Welcome to the Bold.com Tech Lab podcast. In this podcast, we share our experience with you. Speaking behind the screens of IT and tech in general at Bold.com. Showing you our approach to IT, e-commerce and retail platforms. We are looking into the things that we are enthusiastic about that are happening here. As always, we have a bunch of ideas to share in the series. This is how we do IT. I'm hosting the show together with Peter Brouwers. My name is Peter Paul van der Beek. We both performed in several roles in IT here at Bold.com. With that background and all the experience that came with it, we're really looking forward to share insights and learnings with you. The role of testers has evolved in the last de- decade. Test automation has become the norm, so testers have grown more towards developers. What are the skills they need to succeed? With the rise of autonomous teams and product teams, more and more tasks of testers move to other roles, like developers. What knowledge must be spread over these roles to ensure that we can release to Pro without fearing what will happen? And there have been other evolutions, like the one to, mi- to more microservices-oriented architectures and companies moving to the cloud, both coming with their own challenges. What is the impact on testing and testers? Let's dive in with two experts. Yes, and today's guests are Joost van Wollingen. He's a consultant, quality and test automation at Xavia. He's a former caller uh, of us here at uh, Bold.com, where he performed in a test role. Uh, he was actually lead of the test guild uh, as well. And uh, yeah, we've worked uh, together in several settings, so it was really nice. Uh, and then uh, we have Ivo De Bruyne, software engineer at Bold.com, and he started in a test role, but he switched along the way. Um, so uh, welcome, great to have you. Thank you, glad to be here. So um, I think that's a, it's a good start to uh, yeah, look a little at our history because uh, then we uh, can basically assess what the changes were that, uh, that the testers and or software development in general was facing. Could you uh, share some examples? Sure. Will you take this? Oh, it's for me, this one. <laughs> okay. So um, when I joined Bold.com, I think it was seven years ago, um, we were still doing mostly manual testing. And we would write that down in big Excel sheets with all the test cases that we could come up with um, to put them on a network drive and never look at them again. So a total waste of of all the effort that we put in those scripts. They were never reused. And when we wanted to go to production, we would do two-week sprints. And every second sprint, we would um, freeze the environment for one full week so that all the teams could regression test all the new features that they had built in those two sprints. And once there was the green light, everybody was happy with all the bug fixes that were uh, delivered, all the new features that were there, and everything was okay to deploy. We would bring down the entire environment, all the services, all the databases, everything would go down. We would deploy for all applications in one big bang release, all the new software, and then bring it back up and start praying that nothing would break. Uh, because it was a lot of risk, of course, in deploying so many different applications in one go. And over time, that changed to um, where we moved away from a monolithic architecture to a service-oriented architecture. And I think by now we're focusing on microservices, where we would deploy these services independently in a much shorter release cycle, increasing or actually improving the time to market of all the features that we needed to get out to our customers. 
But that came with, with new challenges, of course, because you didn't have a week to do all the testing anymore. Okay, so how much testing is left in general then? If we look at Evo, how, how is it typically performed now? Um, it depends a little bit per, per team, but what you now see is that uh, teams are deploying multiple times uh, a week, some teams even multiple times a day. Yeah, and if you d- if you want to check that everything works, uh, you have to automate a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but also depending on your context, if you're working a lot in backend services, you can take sometimes a little bit more risks. Um, if you're working more towards a front-end application, yeah, you, you can't take those risks. Um, but to, Im- to improve, like to, to, to make the testing faster, we've uh, moved more towards like uh, testing more locally, mm-hmm. uh, faster, so not having the entire end-to-end uh, testing, but more uh, setting up an, a small environment of you and your dependencies and then use mocking for that to get like a really fast feedback loop on, uh, yeah, on the test you want to do for your application. And then just have a small layer of maybe end-to-end testing uh, still in place. Um, yeah, so so that's one of the one of the parts that we are really um, put a lot of effort in that to speed up that, that feedback cycle. Mm-hmm. On the other part, we also are looking more in towards like how can we use production monitoring, logging, and how can we improve like um, the visibility of um, the errors which are coming from production. If we release something really fast, it's usually a lot smaller releases, mm-hmm. so we can is- immediately see in the logging because that is improved a lot and in our metrics. Yeah, if the feature is uh, used or not, or if they're happy or is it slow, etc. Yeah. But then again, to to do that and to be uh, faster in moving to production, you have to be yeah, more sure or something, or have, have a good feeling as a team that the things are uh, performing well and acting well. And uh, looking better back at, the, at our history, one of the first steps we had to do for that, at least in my opinion, was get from manual testing to automated testing. That was the first big yeah. step, I guess. You're, you're, you're very <laughs> right there. And we skipped completely over that because <laughs> we're so used to it by now. Uh, but already making the step with the test guild. Um, when I worked at Bull.com, I was heavily involved in the test guild um, where we came together, uh, or I think it's still happening, where the testers come together uh, every uh, few weeks to talk about how it's going in their team, what the big shared challenges are, and how we want to tackle those. And um, I remember, I think it was in my first year when I started here, we introduced fitness for test automation. Mm -hmm. So a a step for the testers to go from manual testing only, I think there was some test automation, but not at a large scale, to as an entire company saying, okay, we're going to invest in test automation. Uh, we're going to select a tool, which was fitness, and then saying, um, we're going to spend a few sprints on building up your automated regression test for every team so that they have a good base to work from. And they essentially froze uh, rolling out new features for those teams so they could spend a significant amount of time on building up that regression set because test automation with no coverage of your application has no real value. And building it up for an application that you've already been building on for a few years takes a long time. So we actually reserved time for that to help the teams get familiar with the tool. There were external experts to help them with um, getting familiar with fitness and building the first few tests. And then spending or reserving time in the sprints to build up those tests, uh, start running them, start improving them, 
and making it part of the definition of done so that a story cannot be finished without having test automation in place. Can we just, uh, to, to get things clear for the, for the audience, uh, explain what environments we had back then and what tests were on which environment? Yeah, I think back then we had a traditional development, test, acceptation, production uh, lineup for and the environment. There was one in between before we. Uh, oh yes, yeah. we even at pre-production. Pre yeah. Yeah. yeah, forgot about that one. Um, so development was basically a free-for-all. No, developers were um, we mostly we had a lot of monoliths back then running on uh, PLSQL. So developers were compiling their packages there all the time, and it was basically in a in a broken state always. So the testers didn't bother with development. It was we gave up on that. <laughs> okay. So um, once something got deployed to test, uh, it was an integrated environment where all the teams deployed their software. So that means that all your real all your dependencies are real implementations that you can talk to, um, which is nice because it gives a lot of confidence on will my product work in production because that's the environment going to run in there. Um, but it also meant that if another team uh, didn't have the test data that you needed. You needed to figure out how their system worked, get the test data in there, uh, before you could continue with your tests. Um, so the testers back then, when we were still small with only 10 teams, knew a lot around of the uh, surrounding systems. They knew what the data looked like, what the data model looked like, what the interfaces were, how to interface with that. Uh, and then it was still possible to know who the people were that were building that. But as we grew, that become, became harder and harder because much more teams, much more applications, uh, much shorter life cycles in the applications as well. So keeping track of your surroundings, especially in a service-oriented architecture, became much harder. And you needed so much domain knowledge at some point that it became impossible to know all those systems. Uh, but that was a little sidetrack on the environments. Yeah. So after doing a fully integrated test on, on, on test, we would move to acceptance where we did, I think it was a subset of the regression test, not everything usually, and then we would move to production. We, uh, also, we also run the um, performance test on the acceptance environment, yeah. because that was the only one we were scaled as production environment. Yeah, yeah and, and you had the, the, the pre-production in between. Yeah. To do, and and I, think I, uh, I hope I remember the right, but it was to... to Exercise on the production rollout. So yeah, it's not uh, not yeah. a functional yep. test or so. Yeah, so the, for the production rollout, yeah. and we only also use that sometimes for fixes to test it on there because yeah, the other the other environments were already we're in a different stage, out. which yeah. was not yeah. 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 production like state anymore. So yeah. you had uh, development, test, acceptance, pre-production, and production. Yes, like uh, aims for specific testing. Yeah. clear. And then what <laughs> what happened? We well, we wanted to get rid of the this. Long integration uh, period, but that so but that was on test. But I remember that on acceptance, you also had one week, one and a half week of uh, regression testing. Yeah, well, the biggest problem was why we had that period of uh, one week of regression testing. Our, our our environment was totally in flux all the time, and then you needed a lot of end-to-end -end tests with a lot of test data preparation to to getting those things uh, tested. And then yeah, all the teams were like when we were. Well, compared to now, still small. So all the dependencies took up so much time so that you could actually run your testing. So in the end, you were more time like chasing the environment, chasing your test data setup before you could actually do the test of your application to see if your application works. 
Yeah, and, and even then, when when you had issues in your test, you you wouldn't know if it's the environment or the dependencies or the test itself. So yeah. the, the the software that you were really testing. Yeah, uh, and that's that's why we we started like how can we more isolate uh, the testing for your own application, and how can we set up an environment that will actually allow you to do most of your tests for your application more locally. So more like in an isolated environment which you can easily spin up on your uh, on your own laptop for example so and what did you do for that for me personally it was uh, I remember very well I was working in a team of four guys on uh, a very big feature for ball.com uh, logistics via ball.com where external retailers can send their inventory to our warehouses and we will do all the logistics returns and all that for you so a really cool service to work on but also very complicated because it meant basically changing uh, every system that we had from the front end or the website to uh, the last process in the chain handling returns. And we needed to change all the systems in between. We did that, I think, in one year with four guys. Really cool team. Um, and then a new guy joined, Mikola. And the first thing he asked was, do you guys share the dev database? But if he changes something... I get problems and when I'm testing my software and there's a message on the queue, it goes to his system so I can do my test. But it, I can't work like this. <laughs> so the, the, I, I remember that in one of the few first sprints that he started, he uh, built a Docker container in which he deployed the database schema of our application. And, and then he, you know, he gave that to our team and he said, okay, now we can all have our own database and we can all test our own stuff. And we don't depend on the dev environment to actually say, okay, my feature is now done and it and it's working. And uh, well, for me that was really an epiphany where the 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 uh, I suddenly got it, like, okay, the 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 reason that sometimes it's so hard and 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 slow going is because I am not isolating myself from all these other people developing software at ball.com. I need to set my boundaries really strict, increase the amount of control that I have on the on that environment where I'm testing um, so that I can be really, really sure about the stuff that I'm building and then I'll bother with what all the other people are doing and seeing if the application as a whole, the service as a whole works. But first, my stuff needs to be right and I need to be confident about that. And, and the moving to Docker really, really helped there. So and that was the moment that isolated testing was born it, at bold.com, <laughs> yes, yeah, okay, yes. Yeah, uh, you can you can write that up to Mikola. Yeah. <laughs> For me, at least, I think uh, Evo's story is a bit different. Yeah, because it was really funny actually, because we didn't met each other uh, a lot at that time, but we were both using the same tools, trying to solve the same kind of problem in different teams within bold.com. And um, yeah, so even though you had a slightly different uh, uh, problem with uh, with a lot of databases, because you're application was more focused toward databases but i i actually just wanted to have the isolation to have more control over what i was doing so i could get a, like a faster feedback loop on what we are actually building as a team because i was constantly chasing other teams other dependencies and it took so much time that i was yeah i, I wasn't spending the time on the things i needed to spend time on, on together with my team building the right stuff um but then we used the same tools, and then we came together, and then, yeah, well, we, we called it the isolated environments, which we built with Docker. Yeah. 
So, so let me check. So actually, you introduced an extra environment for yourselves to do your first functional testing. So that uh, can be called the isolated environment. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's an extra environment. I think we replaced the development environment. It replaced the development environment. Yeah. Because okay. the development environment was yeah. a shared environment where everybody had admin rights, everybody could do anything, uh, but they never bothered putting it back in a, in a good state after they were finished. Um, and what we did with the Docker environments is that it was an environment that would uh, be personal, so you are isolated from even the engineers in your in your team. Um, but it would also be recreated from scratch every time you started it, so you had always a good starting point. Start. Yeah, yeah. But but still, and when you're done in that environment, you still had to go in test for your integration test and in acceptance for your uh, regression and performance test, and then into uh, production. So what what did we do in the in the steps afterwards? Oh, at least what I what I saw really happening within my team is that we we had those environments that you can spin off from scratch, but then the developers and uh, the testers were using the same tools, so you didn't have it works on my machine, machine syndrome anymore. So that was one of the big benefits that we uh, that we had. Um, and the second benefit is that that we if we were looking at the tests that we were doing, and because we had a lot of services, we did a lot, lot of like service API level tests. We saw that like 90, 95% like functional tests that we were doing, we could run them on those isolated environments. Fast, really fast, fast feedback on, on, on those tests. So the artifact that we actually um, produced and delivered to the test environment was well, not looking at the performance uh, uh, from the performance perspective, but just functionally from the perspective of the API, you could tested already for like 90, 95% or, or sometimes even more. Um, so you already had like an artifact that you could almost deploy to acceptance environment directly or yeah, depending on your use case, even um, what you see now happening is that people are doing a lot of testing on the isolated environment with the increased monitoring and logging that we have. You could even deploy it to production. So they do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at, at what point in time did we start skipping environments? Because yeah, you did from going yeah. from four environments mm -hmm. to like two as a step. So in general, we tend to do that in yeah. smaller steps. Yes. <laughs> what happened? Yes. I think because we've been talking about the technical aspects mostly yeah. now, I yeah. think there was also a very big cultural change at yeah, the time sure. with uh, the Man on the Moon program. And, yeah. and you build it, you run it, you love it where we made the teams responsible for deploying and running their software in production. Yeah. Um, and that's actually uh, uh, tying into what Ivo said, using the same tools, having the same responsibility, I think it made developers much more aware of what kind of software they were building mm -hmm. um, and how it was performing in production. Because yeah. suddenly it wasn't operations anymore uh, that was responsible for anything going wrong there. It was the team that would get the phone call was the team that would have to do the investigation, and then they would have to do the fix, like they were they were already used to. Um, so it became by moving that pain basically of of bad quality software mm -hmm. to the teams, uh, force them to think about how reliable is my software, mm -hmm. how resilient is it, uh, how can I do zero downtime deployments so that I don't impact the customers when I want to deploy something. Um, so. Um, because the developers became much more aware of that and they were already in this process of using the same tools as the testers, 
the the shared team responsibility really started to uh, slowly to bubble up. Mm -hmm. So um, with um, some teams taking the lead and showing this is how we do it. Uh, I remember your team, Evo, with um, really cool dashboards on uh, this is how our system is being used uh, on big TVs uh, right in the middle of the office where everybody could see it. And, and, and that kind of thing to me was inspiring. Like, mm -hmm. okay, these guys really know what's going on in every nook and cranny of their system. Mm -hmm. uh, I need to do this with my team. Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's have yeah. this discussion on how can I create the observability in my system so that we always know what's going on so that we can tell the business, uh, this is how much revenue we did today or this is how many boxes we shipped. Um, because that's what, what, the, what your PO, your product owner is interested in, in at the end of the day. Um, and that took quite some time to, to start building that into mm -hmm. your application, to um, uh, create those dashboards. Yeah. I think Bold.com did a marvelous job on uh, having this roadshow on resilience, uh, showing how you could do that with uh, how, how you want, why and how you can implement circuit breaker patterns, stuff like that. Um, and then it's from there, it's like an oil spill. There's a few enthusiastic people in a few teams. Mm -hmm. They come up with best practices and it rolls out to all the other teams, but you need to nurture it. You need to give it time to make it a common practice. Yeah. And what, what things have to become common practice? Testing and the isolation, what, what else? The shared uh, responsibility? Like I said, it's a few things. It, it's, yeah. it's cultural things, it's technical things. Yeah. Um, but what I really like when I have this discussion with Ivo is um, he always says, The first important thing is speed. I want to mm -hmm. have a fast feedback loop. The second important thing is speed. I want to have a fast <laughs> feedback loop. If the build takes longer than five minutes, I need to invest time mm -hmm. to get it under five minutes. Yeah. And in the build, I want to test as much as possible, this 90, 95% we talked about, so that when a developer does a change and he runs the build, he doesn't get distracted if it's under five minutes. He will still be in the context of what he's building. Mm -hmm. He will get feedback from the tests that we wrote as a team. And he will be uh, confident right then, right after the build, that he's going in the right direction with the change he's making. Yeah. And if you can't have that, it becomes much harder to reach uh, well, the ambitious time-to-market goals that we have at Bold.com to get the features out to the customers as soon as possible. So you need the speed, speed in the feedback loop, and the speed also to, to basically uh, be within the attention span of a developer, <laughs> to put it like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's true. And then like the thing with with, with speed, but also with the, the like the different approach on on testing. Like it's not you only don't, don't only test everything before mm -hmm. you have the artifact. Like it's a combination of changing your test strategy in that way that we get a lot more automated checks in the build. Mm -hmm. So we get a lot better feedback on uh, before we actually having an artifact which we're deploying into a test environment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's Be something you, you call shifting left, right? Shifting left, yeah. yeah. And be because once it's deployed to the test environment, if you find something over there, it, it takes a lot of time to get a new deployment over mm -hmm. there. If you can do that locally already, it's really easy to fix. Like you can, you can fix it, stop, start, you have a new version running uh, locally. Um, so you have the, the artifacts which you're actually creating compared to how we did it before is, is of a lot, a lot better quality. Mm -hmm. And then in combination with, well, actually the shift right then, like more testing in production, but mm -hmm. having better 
monitors, uh, monitoring and logging mm-hmm. and having a better observability of, of your application and also handling on those uh, um, on the monitoring that you have. So if you have alerts, if you yeah. see errors, actually act on them, try, mm-hmm. to, try to improve it, try to learn from it. Um, and and th- the combination of those two things really had like an impact on the trash strategy. So what you were doing that instead of testing everything before, you are now doing, yeah, you're trying to um, cover the risks with different kind of approaches. Yeah, but this shifting right, so you, where you also need to say, okay, uh, basically I can make mistakes and it's okay that I make mistakes if because if I gain speed by that, then it's fine that I make them every now and then. I also really like that uh, back in the uh, back then that we um, switched uh, from our KPIs from mean time between failures to uh, mean time to repair. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that really pushed also the culture because like the cultural aspect also from watching these uh, monitors and not some uh, ops guys having uh, watching them and them acting. No, as a team watching them. Uh, seeing what's going on with the application and then acting because you want your software to be great software running there. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And and also, we, that's the cool thing. We use those same metrics, those same dashboards also on our integrated test environments. So if you are actually changing something, adding something new functionality, you're using the same tools, so you're already really confident about how they are, uh, uh, how they use and how they work before you actually deploy it to production. Because you use the same dashboard, the same metrics, the same alerts, you see that already on your integrated environment. Only compared to what we did in the past, we just run uh, yeah, um, fewer, like really slow, hard to maintain end-to-end testing mm-hmm. on those environments. Uh, because we can do more in isolation. And that's a really m- shift in the strategy. And to get that shift done, to get like a fast feedback cycle, for that you need yeah, the correct mindset to uh, to do that. Yeah, interesting. So you see a lot of changes in uh, from technical perspective. You s- we had a great change on uh, on the cultural aspect. So you you explained that it has a, a result in the in the way you uh, do your strategy. So the shift left and and right uh, thing. What does this do with with the testers in the community? What is the yeah, what is the feeling? What uh, what do they see? It, it differs. We have a lot of testers at Vault.com, of course. Um, for me personally, it meant uh, picking up the programming languages that my team was using. Um, being able to step in on merge requests already during the review, like, are you sure you want to do it like this? Maybe we could use better naming, or uh, um, did you think about this edge case? So reviewing the unit tests is already a really good step, I think, for testers, even if you're not familiar with with the language yet. But what it meant was that with these new ways of working, there's an enormous challenge in picking up all these new technical skills. Because with the new way of working came new tools, came all reasons to start increasing your knowledge on how do you build proper software. Well, from my perspective, when I started here, a lot of testers were really black box testers. You open the website, you click on a few things, and then maybe check in the database that it actually happened. Um, but once you start reviewing the unit tests, you can see, okay, the developers did a good job of already covering this risk. I can spend my time on exploring the other risks that they haven't covered yet or that are hard to cover in an automated fashion. Balance of 
the testing that you do and the types of testing that you pick up during the sprint changes because you do more automation. Like for me, it was also really important in that phase that I dove a little bit deeper into my application. What is it actually doing? But my mindset was always, because I wanted that speed, how can I improve the testability of my application? So I was the discussing with the developers in the team, like, can we add this? Can't we make this faster for my test feedback because that's really hard? Or um, I have to set up test data for this. Like, can't we make like a, a test endpoint for this that can easily create the test data for me so it's, it's easier for me to talk? And so I was constantly trying to improve the testability of my application. And in that phase, I think it was really important to get also the... Uh, the tester and the developer working together on that application to see, okay, how can we how can we improve this? How can we work together more? How can we, yeah, yep. talk the same language because we are using the same tools. We are can talk about the same languages. So you need to invest yourself. I needed to invest a lot in the tools that we were using, but then I could also like challenge them, like think with me. How can we improve this testability? And that that so, yeah. that worked. Uh, so testability became actually part of the. Functionality, can you say? It, it, it became just part of the product. Just the part, product, yeah. That, yeah. Okay, yeah. Part of the application, part of the yeah. project that you want to do because yeah. uh, it was not only the testability for uh, myself, um, so how we are testing the application, but we were also thinking of our um, consumers of our application. Like, what do they need? Like, do they also have those problems for test data? How can we help them uh, um, use our application better? Because we want to build a great application. So, um, and our users make our application great. Okay, Peter Paul, looking at the time, one question for you before we go to the closing round. Yeah, so what I, what I really want to know is, is um, from a tester perspective, yeah, we've arrived at a certain point and what to expect for in the uh, coming two years? Uh, any ah. ideas on that? Um, I think it's it's hard to make sweeping statements over the for the entire industry. Um, I think what you see at frontrunners like ball.com is that um, it's becoming more technical. Mm -hmm. We talked about uh, uh, black box testing and then with this entire change we described moving down the stack, getting closer to the actual program code, getting closer to uh, the, the, all the technologies that you're using. So I think um, what we'll see once the, the rest of the market catches up, we'll see more technical testers, more versed in, in programming and, and knowing about the, the, the technologies that their systems use underneath. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the big changes, I think, is that um, one of the things I really like that's um, starting now is the modern, test and modern testing principles by Alan Page. Mm -hmm where he states the num our number one concern as testers should be improving the business. And he has 10 principles of how you can do that and what you should keep to. One of which is we acknowledge that uh, we teach our team to do good testing, which might mean that our role disappears in the future. I think a lot of companies have a very long way to get there, but it's an, it's an inspiring goal. I think it's for everybody in IT, we're always saying we're trying to automate our job away. And I think the same goes for testers. Anything to add to that, Ivo? Yeah, well, I, I just see it happening like you really should just be prepared for the for the future. And I think it's for everybody in IT and it's also for the testers. It's it's evolving a lot. It's growing really mm -hmm. fast. If you sure. can see all the possibility with the cloud and everything which is coming, all the new tools, there's like more tools coming 
more uh, um, that we are going to use, which you uh, um, yeah need need to be aware of uh, at least, and sometimes also need to master. But just think about your context, really in your context. Look around you, what's happening in the market. Yeah, follow the approach which you feel 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 good about. But then don't don't be uh, too focused on your own team, but also like look to other teams sure. in your company. Look into the market, what is happening, because uh, I think that's really important for all the testers. I really uh, thank you for these uh, for these insights. I really like also your uh, yeah what you talk uh, what you talk about uh, when you when you say speed. And for me, that means I always get the movie in my head, the movie speed. <laughs> because that's also the pressure, I guess, that's also on our developers and our testers, where we simply can't get that speed below a certain threshold, because otherwise we will think we'll lose all kinds of things. But this speed, this pressure, which is also in the movie, that's really, yeah, it's something for me here, also about the culture here at Bold.com, where we try to perform at a uh, certain level. So I, I really like that uh, in this talk. And then... Uh, I think we come to the closing round. Yeah, but maybe before we go to that, uh, in the preparation, you shared something uh, um, about a great conference coming up, about this cultural aspect. So maybe something to say yeah, about that? that's right. Um, so in September, uh, Xibia is organizing a conference called ExpandConf. And Expand stands for Expanding Your Horizons, looking a bit further than the role that you're in now, but... Um, acknowledging that together with your team, you're building software and you need every role for that. Software developers, testers, analysts, architects. And this conference is really about how do you build great teams? What are the characteristics of great teams and how do you become this high-performing team? Um, so this is in September and in Amsterdam. Uh, it's only 100 people, nice a uh, small, intimate audience so be with, some, with, with some great talks and workshops. So I would love to see you there. Okay, we put uh, the reference in the show notes uh, because I think I feel it's really connected to this whole subject. So to summarize for our listeners, can you share your uh, most important takeaway? Don't be afraid of change. Embrace it. Be open to learn new things and find the connection with the people in your team because that's where you get the speed that you need to explore to excel in the market. And you, Ivo? Yeah, I can only say that's, <laughs> a, that's, a, that's a good summary. So I'll, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. Well, thanks, guys. Uh, Joost and Ivo for sharing your stories with us. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's uh, insightful because, yeah, it, it, it shows the, the, the changes we had on the technical perspective, on the, the, the cultural aspects, uh, the way you uh, worked along with this. Uh, I knew you before, but... I didn't know the inside or the, the details like you uh, explained in this uh, podcast. So uh, thanks for sharing. Hope you enjoyed it uh, like we did. And maybe uh, till next time in the next episode. I would like that, definitely. Absolutely. Thanks very much. Okay, and thanks for listening to this episode. If you like this episode, check some of the others and subscribe to our feed. Go to Spotify or iTunes, search for Tech Lab and subscribe. If you liked the podcast, please leave a review. Hope to meet you in our next episode. Have fun.